Hello out there, bibliophiles, and welcome to another episode of Drew Archives in 10. I'm Andrew Salvati, adjunct professor of media and communications here at Drew University. And I am in the archives in the conference room with Candace Riley, manager of special collections. Hi, Andrew. Hey, how you doing? Doing well. I have a couple of really beautiful prayer books to talk about today. Okay, great. Let's see them. So one of the ones I'm going to talk about again, we've already talked about this season, but the thing is research has been done, which is All right. my, my favorite thing that a student saw this book that I had out and became fascinated by it and decided to do their final project on it for actually the class I teach Tuesday night and the materiality of the book. Okay. So um, students did their presentations last night and I got a lot of fantastic update information on these books. Oh, this is so, great. And I think this is the first time that we've actually revisited an item in this podcast. So this is really cool. It is. So all of you out there, if you want to come and do some more research, we can keep <laughs> doing updates, which is great. Um, so these books, um, both prayer books, both books of common prayer were printed in the mid 19th century, but they look almost medieval esque. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is because one of these books has these fantastic little clasps on the side. Um, it also has, it's bound in leather and then it's boards on top are repoussé metal. So metal you get, it's like a mixed metal, but repoussé is a fancy French term, meaning that the metal is hammered out in a certain way to create a beautiful relief structure. Mm -hmm. So that repoussé detailing on this book um, has these fantastic images of prophets, the Virgin Mary. Um, it has two little vignettes on each side, on each uh, front and back cover. The front is looking at two images of Christ. So Christ um, is being anointed by John the Baptist. And then it's the descent of the cross. Mm -hmm. And the reverse board has uh, Moses. So it's Moses then being greeted by then his Egyptian mother, who then adopts him. And then at the bottom, it's him with the Ten Commandments. Okay. So these are the two really big images that we have on this binding. And then we have these chains, which you can hear, <laughs> um, are attached to the metal board. So they're not attached actually to the leather binding. So give it a, a feel. Right. This heavy. is the one that's, yeah, it's surprisingly heavy. And it's only about the size of my hand, right? So it's, it's small and it's dense. It is. Um, but it's actually, you know, pretty portable in size. Mm -hmm. But it is heavy. Um, and a book of common prayer would be then brought with you if you're going to go to mass. So this could have been a book that was used. Mm -hmm. So my student working on this book, um, was fascinated obviously by these wonderful repoussé boards and the chains and was thinking about chains throughout the history of book production. Right. So chains are not often on more of these modern books. The way that we think about chains with books associated with the medieval period where they were attached to the tops of the spines and then attached to library shelves mm -hmm. for security reasons. Right. Because think about how long it took a manuscript to be produced or early printed book. You don't want that taken. Right. <laughs> so it's yeah. gonna be chained to the bookshelf. There is still a library in England at Hereford, which still has an entire chained library. Oh wow. So would love to make a field trip yeah. there one day. But that's kind of like the history of chains. So we're thinking the medieval period that mm -hmm. chains were for security reasons. They were not primarily for aesthetic decorative reasons. But here we do not have the chain at the top of the spine. We have it chained to the front and the metal, a decorative repousse right. boards on it. So 
it's clearly not done for security reasons. It's not attached to anything. Mm -hmm. I don't think it ever was. Um, it's just meant to look like it was something of that period. Old style. Old style. Right. And that's a really cool thing to kind of keep note of in this discussion of these books, that they're liking this old style in the mid-19th century. Mm -hmm. With this book, we also have um, some decoration inside. So the student also mentioned, and the student who did the research, her name is Rebecca. Um, on the morning prayer page, there was hand coloring done in this beautiful, vibrant blues. We have a light blue and a dark blue. We have some gold gilding around the border. And then we have these little doves decorating yeah. the corners of the border. So the printed text of this book looks very gothic, mm -hmm. right? That's how we would describe it to this day, that it has a, a mix of more Roman type. And then we go to Gothic. We have some decoration here of some gilding. It's meant to look medieval-esque. Mm -hmm. So we could maybe suppose that this owner liked medieval things, which yeah. I understand I love medieval things <laughs> as well, being a medievalist. So this book is very special looking. And then there are wonderful um, inscriptions uh, right after the end papers noting the ownership of this book. So it was given as a wedding present um, from a man's wife to the husband. Um, mm -hmm. They note the date in 1870, um, and then how it was then re-given again to someone later in the family in 1887. So it stayed in the family for some time. And then the book was then sold, and then we received it in 78 of the 1900s um, in our collection, and it's part of the Mazer Prayer Book Collection. Yeah. So... Special book. Yes. And my student also realized, and she did some further research, where this book could have come from. Like, why does it look like this? Were there other books that were similarly done like this? Okay. Actually, no. None of them that she found had a repoussé board like that from the 19th century that we could find on either. Oh, wow. A books, eBay, mm -hmm. Christie's Records, what have you. Um, there are, you know, fine treasure bindings like this, but nothing with the common prayer book from this period of time. So her and I did some digging on what the Oxford um, University Press Company was printing books in the 19th century, what it looked like. Okay. And what's interesting was we found an advert from the mid-19th century noting how to order your own custom prayer book. Oh, cool. So there was a multi-page ad that you could then choose how you want your text printed. Mm -hmm. So do you want to go for something more gothic and elegant? Do you want rubrication, which is that red line um, okay. work in there? Um, or do you want something more basic, just a kind of a same font? And then you can choose which binding you want. So your binding can be this elaborate, which would be more money, mm -hmm. um, a simple leather binding. So what's interesting though is before you see the fantastic repoussé on the top of it, beneath it, is a pretty standard leather binding. So our assumption is, is that the person who originally ordered it from the book buying company ordered a pretty simple binding, but a fantastic printing of like that medieval Gothic style, mm -hmm. and then took the book to somebody else who created these amazing boards for the book. Yeah. So it's a really amazing custom process sure. to make a book like this. But I thought it was really exciting that you can kind of make your own book of common prayer in the mid-19th century. If you had a pretty penny, we yeah. um, calculated it with inflation. It was probably around $2,000 to order oh, something. Wow. And that's before the Ray Pousset added oh, metalwork. So it makes sense that this would have been a very amazing heirloom for the mm -hmm. family, a wedding present. 
because it's such a special piece. Yeah. Another book that relates to that is the other book that I have on the table. It's another book of common prayer. This one is bound in a red um, uh, boards. Um, it has some gilding on the spine saying common prayer, Oxford 1840. Another Oxford University Press printed book. Um, so it's that same company. Mm -hmm. um, throughout, we have not that medieval type so much. It's kind of a more of a standard printing sure. inside. But what's really amazing is the detailing on the foredge and edges, top and bottom edges of this work. Yeah. So for you listeners out there, what we're seeing is an amazing, elaborately decorated um, application of gilt, gophering, and illumination. And those are a lot of words I'm throwing at you. <laughs> <laughs> so gilding is the application of gold. Right. So we're seeing uh, gold applied to the forage and the top and bottom edges mm -hmm. of the book. Um, gophering is a term where you're taking like a hot like metal stamp kind of thing okay. and you're applying that to the pages. Okay. So that's what's creating these actually amazing indentations and patterns. So that's all with like a hot press stamp. Oh, wow. Okay. And this was done extremely delicately because you can see here, there's also some little scrolls that were painted yes. on. Yeah. And those don't have gilding within it and they don't have any gophering. So they had to paint the gilding and gophered around the scroll work. Oh, wow. So very delicate to make something like yeah. this. You had to be a very skilled artisan. Um, the text that is found on the page says, pray always, watch and pray, and watch onto prayer. So very focused on prayer, mm -hmm. which makes sense for a book of common prayer. Yep. Um, it is extremely beautiful. Um, I, I almost cannot stop looking <laughs> at the foredge because I haven't seen one like this um, too often. Um, but it was part of that same process of ordering the book. So you could order how you want the interior to look and how you want the exterior. This is a pretty simple red binding, yeah. but you could have gilding done. So I'm not sure if the Oxford company ended up doing this special gophering. There was an option for the quote unquote elaborate, Okay. but it doesn't tell you how exactly elaborate they're going to go to. Yeah. Um, this would be extremely elaborate. Um, so that would have been a, a very pretty penny. I think a very expensive process. What's also fascinating is um, the provenance of this book. So if we look in the book, once again, we have some great inscriptions inside. Funny enough, another gift from marriage. So okay. it was a wedding yeah. present again. Um, but here we're having actually some um, marriage, they said, in high life because we have some very high up people in British society. The Countess of Limerick um, once owned this text. Hmm. So, um, and it was gifted again through the family. And then one day it was sold through Mag's Brothers, mm -hmm. which is a really big British bookseller. And then we got it through the same thing, part of the um, Mazer prayer book. Okay. Uh, Are they around the same vintage, these two books? Yes. Yeah, okay. very close in age, um, mid 19th century. Okay. So they might, the first owners might have seen the same adverts and I think said, so. hey, let's like, get one of those for the wedding. Absolutely. Which, and then they could have taken it to another, you know, decorator and then had that right. more work applied to it. But these are both really great examples of how customization was really popular and how you could have your own prayer book. And these are both, you know, the size of your palm, easy enough to take with you to church. Um, both of them, I believe were used because they open pretty easily. I yeah. do have some other examples in the collection for the prayer book that the binding is so tight that you can't even open the yeah, book. Yeah. Just for display. 
So it's like you can like bring it to church with you and be like, this is my lovely prayer book. (laughs) And you show off your wealth, but you may not open it. Yeah. Um, But these, I think, were used, which is a really nice thing. I love seeing books that were used and loved by their owners and that they truly cared about these because they were passed down through the family. Um, But they both have that medieval decoration to them. So that's another interesting part of this kind of story because you're seeing this resurgence in this Gothic ideal. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing that throughout the culture in the mid 19th century, where they're looking for this kind of like romantic idealized medieval look to it. So they're hearkening back to like the medieval decoration, the manuscript illumination. We're also seeing that in artistic styles as well. And you wonder what was going on in the culture and society at that time where the sort of nostalgia for things medieval Mm -hmm. uh, was starting to be more appealing to folks, especially society folks, right? Absolutely. Too many changes, industrialization, hearkening back to the good old days. The good old days of text and... and, Hand decoration. Right. And so it's it's really, it's you're removing themselves from more of that industrialization, as you were saying. Still printed, and it was, you know, more industrial than, say, a manuscript. But they're going back to that, like, amazing unique decoration and having something that's made just for you which i think is so special and personal Mm -hmm. so yeah we have a a, quite a selection of books within our prayer book collection these are two out of a few hundred (laughs) um and there are so many to explore but this is a great example like we were saying earlier of you can see a book in the collection you know maybe a few things about it but then more research is done you can know an entire story which I think is the most exciting part of the archives. Yeah, that is so cool to find out how these were owned and loved and cared for and used. Great stuff. Candace, thanks so much for sharing these with us. Sure, happy to. That's our show. Be sure to check out the images of the materials we've discussed on this and other episodes of Drew Archives in 10 by visiting the Drew Archives and Special Collections website at www.drew.com drew.edu forward slash library forward slash media. You can also check out images of the archives material at the Drew University Participatory Archives at dupaarchive.org. There's a lot of great stuff there, so be sure to check it out. For myself, Dr. Andrew Salvati, and for Candace Riley, be well, stay safe, and we'll see you next time on Drew Archives in 10. <laughs>